Hello, this is Raz, and welcome to the Razcast. What is this? Uh, this is some armchair and conversations with different people I know about different stuff I like, like art, life, spirituality, and whatever else random things come up. Really, it's just an excuse to talk to some friends. Uh, this episode is a continuation of my conversation with my friend Clayton. We just keep talking. It's really good. Got really uh, heartfelt at the end. I hope you guys enjoy. Remember to subscribe and tell a friend. And uh, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and do you know, like, I think, you know, I think about especially like college and you may, I think in the next couple of years, you're probably going to like really see this. And it's, I think it's like at the detriment of like kids. And I still think like you get into college, you still have like kids, right? Like 18, 19 year olds. Yeah. That like the, that schools and teachers and everybody, they put so much pressure on like college students to like not fail at things. Right. And I always say like, man, I just wanted like, I always wanted a professor that was like, I'm just going to let y'all like fuck it up, fuck it all up. And then like, let's, let's talk about how we put things back together. Right. Like mm-hmm. that for me is like, that's real life. And what I experienced like working in education is that like, when a lot of these students don't reach the ultimate perfection or they fail, they either like completely throw in the towel for good because they just can't deal with the fact that they failed or they completely lose like any, they try to reinvent themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, no dude, you're good enough. You're going to be good enough. You just have to like understand like, this is just a part of getting there and failure, man. Like that's the, uh, I just, I think that you have to get to a point where, failure becomes fun <laughs> it's, oh, no. it's true yeah. it's it's inevitable like that's that's one of the i mean change and failure i feel like those are the two things that like we know are gonna happen you know yeah no like i've definitely been told enough at this point that it's like okay having patience in life is gonna like learning how to have patience because you will constantly not know because like that is one at least personally one been one problem for me right now is i still realize how at times my body is still on this weird school schedule Mm. of like, all right, so it's the summer now. And so now you have to go back to school and it's like, but no, I don't. I, (laughs) (laughs) but it's, it's like, wow, that really does. It really socially engineers like kids and like people into being this way for like years and years and years. And then now that like, even being like now in my second year out of it, it's like, I'm still, it still feels really weird. And I, and it's like, I'm happy that I am a person who likes learning a lot and that, that like has always encouraged me, but I can definitely see, especially with a lot of my like friends, like the detriment of like school in that way of like, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't prepare people for, for like real world where you don't have like this constant, like it is a constantly changing thing and things are not the same anymore. So you have to get used to like, oh, this might not work. And just you're yeah. constantly throwing ideas at the, at the wall and hoping one <laughs> sticks. Yeah, it's, I don't know, man. I, I just think the whole college system is really screwed up right now because it's, it's like so far from reality. You put these kids in a situation where like if they create their own little like bubble, right? Mm-hmm. And for four or five or six years, it's like, I, I remember like my undergraduate, I just remember it was the same thing. It was like, wake up, me and my buddies would get dressed. We we're in our dorm. We'd meet each other downstairs. We'd go to breakfast as a big group together. You know, you're always socializing. We maybe go to class sometimes. We go like have a happy hour in the middle of the day, grab some lunch. You know, it was like this constant. It was like always social, always social. And I think the hardest thing for me is like right when I got out, I was like, I moved to New Orleans. I was living with like a friend who was never home. 
Yeah. So I, I spent 98% of my time, my first like year and a half alone. You know, I didn't know how to like go. I, I was like, I got to go and meet like all new people. Like I was the, I, at, at my school, I was like homecoming king. I was like, um, you know, student council. I did all those stuff at, at my university. I was like known people knew me and I had a lot of friends and I went from that to like, you know, being alone all the time. And it, I, I think you and I had talked about this a little bit. It was like, it was like the worst time I've had. I can honestly say it's like the worst period of my life up till now of just like depression and self-doubt and all those things because I just didn't know how to like be a real person, right? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I've been I had been in this college world for so long and I kept saying like, man, the college, I want to go back, but I'm like, that's that wasn't real. Like that was just like a this fantasy period where like I got to be on the campus for four years. It was I was protected. I had people around me who I lived with and we all became friends because we lived with each other. And, um, and you know, like we played sports, we went swimming almost every day. We had a pool on campus. You did all these things. And then you go to where like, I was living in New Orleans East. <laughs> with, like, you didn't have a pool. I was living in New Orleans East right after Katrina. Like no pool, no, like nothing. I didn't have a car. I was having to like get on the bus to go into the city. I couldn't find it. Like, I didn't even know how to like go out there and find a job. I was like constantly just looking on like, you know uh career.com and like yeah all these like monster.com and not even understanding the fact that like thousands of other people were applying for those jobs at the same time that i need to like get off my ass and like actually go and meet people you know right so yeah so, no, that's definitely one thing i've seen is like the college bubble helps people get socialized but then at the same time when they're when they leave it it's really hard <laughs> But I would mm-hmm. say that's like one, at least I feel one good thing about my generation with like social media, as much as we have our problems, like we're still able to stay connected with people, at least with like more of the people I know or who are more like trying to be artists in that type of thing or trying to work in the arts mm-hmm. in any type of way. Because social media itself has also become like a new skill you need to have. It kind of like lets networking happen a little bit easier. So there's still that alone. Yeah. There's still definitely that alone factor, but it's definitely like been better because it's been like oh you also feel alone it being in the arts in this weird place okay (laughs) cool so i'm not alone in this aloneness yeah yeah and you know justin like when you came to lafayette i mean i think what i just so always i mean i would call you a lot of attention and be like hey are you okay you're good like you know and it wasn't even the fact that i was like worried about you leaving i just think i so i started to like reflect back on like that time in my life when i like moved away and started this job and i just remember going home and I was just like so fucking lonely. I just, I didn't know how to like pick myself up. And then I just got involved with like really bad people because I would think I was just so like, I just need people, right? I just mm-hmm. need friends. And I no longer like selected the people in my life. I was just kind of like allowing whoever showed up to be there. Mm-hmm. And it just put me in a bad spot, man. I was, I just got into some bad things. I didn't have a good experience. And that was like my first year, you know? Yeah, no, that's one thing that I would say worked out well is like having a good community and then also being able to be two hours away from home uh, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, having, yeah yeah and still having people like around but no that was that's one thing that i think so the little bits i've looked at my stats this is like people who listen to this are 18 and to t- early 20s so you mm-hmm. know i feel we all all appreciate this advice uh honestly <laughs> Because, you know, that's like the thing, you know, you're like, I, I know you know this because I've been this age, but, you know, it's like you're at a certain age, you're like, all right, people are telling me, don't worry about it. I'll figure out life, like, go do whatever, like, go figure like, just go try things, go fi- figure out what you, like, want to do. But at the same time, you're like, yeah, but I also have to, you know, 
eat, live, and yeah, I want to do what yeah, I want to yeah. do because like it is one of those things of like, I, I you, these things you believe in, but at the same time, then you like you just said you've left this bubble, and it's like a weird like, tra- it's a weird transition. Yeah, yeah, and and you know I, I mean this is the one like if I've never said this to anybody before, but if I think about like what is the advice I would give if anybody wanted my fucking advice. Uh, it would be, it would, it would literally be like, just allow yourself to be fearless. Like the one, it is the one regret in my life I have of mm-hmm. like at a young, especially in my twenties, I would kind of like half-ass do things. So I would say like, Ooh, I want to be adventurous. I want to like try things. And I would kind of like half step do it because I was too afraid to like go all the way. Mm-hmm. And I just look now, man. And I'm like, gosh, like I had so many things in my, at the fingertips of my hands. Right. I like. I, I, it was like very late on right before I like met my now spouse that like, I started to like really travel by myself and like get out of the country and like went like stayed in hostels and met people. Like, I just wish like at an earlier age, I would have been like that fearless to just go and like be alone and be okay with being alone. Mm -hmm. And I think that like, for me, like, that's the thing, man, that, and maybe, I don't know. I always thought like, maybe cause I'm a, I feel like as a black man, you know, like black boys, we grew up with everyone telling us like, watch out for this. Be right. afraid of this. Yes. Don't go to this place. And that's all I had in my head. It was like, oh, I can't travel because people don't like black people. Oh, I can't go there because they, they, they may shoot me. I can't go there because the KKK had like, uh, you know, someone told me the KKK is there. And um, that all fucked with me for years, man. Because I, I remember even like driving to places and, you know, I'd be like, oh, I wish I could stop and like, look, like go and see this museum. But I'm too afraid because someone told me, you know, that like, this is a racist town. And I look back at like how many things I know I missed out on, you know, because of like that fear. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just like, fuck it, man. Like, you you want to like, let me show up to my black ass will go to your town in a heartbeat. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, I, but I so wish that I would have done that earlier on when I was like single, when I when I didn't have like bills and a mortgage, you know, like all those right. other things, like just being fearless, man, you know, and taking and, and you and i talked about this like just taking risks i think that's a part of being fearless of allowing yourself to take risks and going back to what we said earlier the only way you can be okay with taking risks is knowing that like there's a chance of failure and right. like being okay with that so all those things go hand in hand yeah that's definitely one thing that i think is a uh, i think i'm starting to learn more and more my like you know learn from people is like the willingness to take it's the risk for reward kind of thing mm-hmm. like the earlier you take the risk the more you can learn the more you can learn the faster you can learn like the bigger the risk the Mm. bigger possible reward yeah so it's just definitely like a it's like a who have to get away from that safe old bubble from college which i think (laughs) is weird because you know to me even when i was in college like listening to podcasts they would tell me like oh that's like one thing i would say i took advantage of was more toward the end of college was I was like, oh, I realized I should take risks because I can fail. I can technically fail at these, th- quote unquote, fail, but still pass a class and still be fine and still like take risks because I'm protected in this bubble kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Which I didn't, like I said, I didn't realize toward, till toward the end, which was like, oh, I kind of wish I would have known this because I could have, you know, done, taken even more, more risks, try to do more with it. Yeah. So Damn. even even now, you know, being this age, it's like, oh no, I don't. I'm already starting to collect regrets. No, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> this is too early. I know, I know, but look, I mean, you got a lot of time, dude. It's you know, just don't get settled down anytime soon. <laughs> oh yeah, no, definitely, definitely. 
Yeah. And and Justin, like, you know, we were just we were talking about being like being black, man. Like, ah, God, I just the one, you know, like this is how this is my mindset now in life. Right. About like being a black man. Over the last few years, I think I've learned how to use that as to an advantage. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, this is the thing. There's not all those spaces that are supposed to be like white spaces and they're supposed to be like scary spaces for black men. I now learn to put myself directly in that because I know like when I apply for a job or I know I'm like, you know, do, I'm trying to get my foot in the door anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of people that the, this, like this organization probably hasn't seen a lot of people like me walk through their door saying like, Hey, I got some college degrees. I'm ready to fucking work. You know, I got experience. I can, I can run my mouth. Mm-hmm. And for me now, I'm like, man, like take advantage of that dude. Cause like now I know like in the job search, I know exactly what to say, how to write a cover letter, how to make sure they understand that like who I am is important, right? That mm-hmm. like I'm okay with saying like, yes, I am a black man. You don't need to write it out, but I always allude to it in some way to make sure that first of all, like they get it because if like I don't want to like I don't even waste my time going on a job interview if like I know that like they may have a problem with people of color. I mean, I feel like that's very rare now because especially in the last couple of months everybody every organization is now like all right where the black people at i need to hire some you know? <laughs> right so i feel like this like especially this time right now man like this is like an awesome time to like take advantage of that and it sucks to say it like that way but you know there's never been a time in the history of being a black man where like people the whole country were saying like okay we need y'all in the room we need you like come through this door mm-hmm. you know and i think that's what we all have to realize right now it's like you know, this this whole movement is not even the moment. It's not about, I want to say moment, definitely movement. Like the movement is not about um, the protests. It's not about all that. It's it's pushing us into doors that like have been closed for fucking 400 years, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, and through this whole thing, man, I've gotten phone calls from like people. We love, would you like to sit on my board? Would you like to be? And now I get to like, I get to be the one making the decision and not just being like the default black guy, right? right. I get to say like, huh. Four people have asked me. Now I'm going to ask some questions to you. Am I the first black person? Because if, if so, I'm not coming, right? If I'm <laughs> like, then the, the cards are in your hands. And, and I think that's the, I, I just, that's like, man, my, my goal now is to like, as many like young black dudes that I have around me, like that's the, that's the message I want them to get. Because uh, no one in my twenties, no one, no one in my life has told me that, you know? Yeah. That like there's leverage that there, that we have, yeah, that people yeah. have because that's one thing that I think as a young person, at least personally, I feel at problems is, you know, we when we look at certain things, especially like entrepreneurial things or anything like that, they're like, oh, fine, where you can give value, where you can give value. But at a certain I feel like because we're so young and we haven't been exposed to enough mm-hmm. that it's like, oh, we don't know how we can give value. even like our view, because that's one thing I've realized, like being a young black man and then also like consume like being on the internet like i tell people i'm a child of the internet because i've been on the internet since all i can remember and have been always open to a lot of ideas that i like i have a very wide breadth of knowledge and like keep expanding that but even then that's only more of like a more recent thing of like being freelance this time like right now and like being like all right how can i like provide value to people and like mm-hmm. reaching out and stuff and like, you know, working with you and like having like that full time experience of like actually having like a job and like working with people and stuff. 
And so I think like a lot of young people in general, that's one thing that we have right now is like, we don't know how we can provide value, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and Jesse, I mean, I'll say with like about you, if, I mean, this is not putting anything out there, but like, I, you know, the end of when you were like leaving the job, I told you, like, I said, Justin, like, so with you, like, once you get your confidence, man, you really will be unstoppable. And the thing I like, there were some days I would go and like watch you kind of like in the, interacting with like the, you know, the managers or like the artists that would come in. Mm-hmm. And I was like, God, like if this boy, if his confidence was there where he knew like, I like, I have a hell of a lot of shit to contribute. Like people would walk into a room because this is what I feel like. I feel like people walk into a room and they see a black person who's like in a position of power, right? Like you working as our tech director had the power of like, I'm the guy that's going to make sure you sound great and then make sure your whole experience with us is good and make sure that like you get what you need and make sure that your stage is set up right. You know, like you're that guy, you mm-hmm. know? So I think they walk into a room and they're like, okay, he's a little, he's a black dude. We don't see a lot of those, but if he's in this room, that means he probably like, he has to be it's something, right? There's something there. And I think like, I think that attitude, like that, that mindset is the mindset that I hope everyone gets versus like, Oh, you know, like I don't have a whole lot of experience. I don't know everything. You know, I'm just gonna kind of like fake my way through it because, like, you, man, and and even besides the fact that I knew you before you had the job, but like, you know, like our boss saw something in you. Like we all we knew like you didn't have like years of experience, but I think we knew that like you were gonna develop that you could talk your way into figuring it all out, right? Mm-hmm. You could like figure it out eventually. You came in like you were confident. You were like when in your interview, you were like really confident in just like the things you said. And for me, like, that's like 75% of the battle right there. You know, I'm like, I just want to know if like, if, if I'm putting an employee in a room to like do some dealings that he can like, if he can't figure it out, he can like talk his way through it. Right. And, and figure it out or know how to go get help. So yeah, man, I, th- I think that's like you, I mean, that was probably the like, example of like what I feel like a lot of like people in their like early twenties mm-hmm. have that. It, it is true. They have that mindset of like, you know, I don't know how to contribute, but I'm like, I just feel like once you get into your foot into any door, you got to just like really know that that was for a reason, you know, regardless of like how, where your skill level is or what your experience is, like you got your foot in. So now it's like, okay, what, what do I choose to do with that opportunity? You know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and you did some and for, like, just, you know, side note, I don't know if we've never like, we haven't had a lot of time to talk since you love, but like, you know, I think just even like for you, just jump, jumping out of college, man, like the work that you were able to do this past year, is fucking fantastic because again like tech directors a lot of those dudes come in with like five to ten years of experience right right and you walked in off of college and we made it happen like the shows happened we had some great experiences like you ran the theater you know like we, it didn't burn down <laughs> hey hey though hey I'll, my only mistake was the was the uh whatchamacallit the uh what's it called the uh order in the um Order the screw. Only mistake. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Measure That's twice. True. Measure twice, people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but again, hey, we we learned. Cause like, learned, you know, yeah. You wake, up, you wake up the next day and it's like, all right, I'm just going to order this bitch again. And uh, <laughs> and right, we it's up. The psych is up. We have uh, it. Life goes on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, cool. Well, I have like three more things before we finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. All right. One is, I was going to say favorite artist, but... I more care about albums because I'm more of an album person. Mm. So what is your favorite album? And if that happens to be your favorite artist, that's also cool. But I care more about 
the album part what whole body of music <laughs> justin that's so hard man i know these are the um, these are the type of questions i ask people <laughs> things that they care about dude there's a so okay so first of all with bob marley okay like there's like a lot of his album because like my dad was like a super big bob marley fan oh and shit. he had like he had like all just about every album right mm-hmm. so like I didn't know the difference between the albums that we would just he would just like play them over and over again on on the finals, but he would almost like DJ it to the point where there was no break. He so would I didn't just keep I always, going. Yeah, I always thought it was like one long ass album when like growing up <laughs> listening to Bob Marley. <laughs> wow, he has such a big. This album is like hours long. That's yeah, so cool. yeah, yeah. So I would say, but like one like 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 there's a Soul Rebels album, mm-hmm. which is like that's probably like a. That's like the early seventies album that like I do remember. Mm-hmm. And um and kind of some of like the Exodus album, which was uh, yeah, most it was all in the seventies because he was just pushing them out back to back. And 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 I mean like look, this is the thing. Bob Marley, this is one of the he was like when he died, that was one of the stories I learned as a young kid, like very early on. Mm-hmm. Like I saw my dad like grieving <laughs> Bob Marley. I mean, and uh <laughs> And I just, that music, man, for me, it was like so different. It wasn't of like the world I lived in or grew up in, Mm -hmm. but it was talking about things that like I knew were important, right? Like I knew it was talking about like being black and being persecuted. And, you know, like I knew he, like someone tried to assassinate him and and there was like a song about it, right? Right. So like this dude just like spilling his truth. And actually I said this, made this comment to someone the other day. I was watching that documentary on Nina Simone. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man. Isn't it like those people back in the day, like they just they didn't try to like write like clever metaphors or like create like cool hooks. Right. They just literally said whatever the fuck they wanted to in their songs. And it made sense. Like it didn't have to rhyme. They just told their stories, you know, mm-hmm. and I and that's what I miss. Because like now every song has like some catchy little hook. It, there's like the same scheme schematic thing for like songwriting. Right. It's right. Like, you know, this we go back to the go back to the hook. A couple of, couple of verses, we go back to the hook. And like Bob Marley, there, it was just like him telling what he felt. You know, it didn't have to be this clever shit. He just said it. So that was my tangent. But like, yeah. Bob Marley. I mean, that's a cool yeah. tangent, though. <laughs> yeah. And, and this is the crazy part. I, if you gave me like a list of like your favorite artists, it wouldn't be it, it, he wouldn't be in there. But like when we talk about like albums, like work, like bodies of work. Yeah. That like for me like that was like the kind of the first you know yeah outside of Michael Jackson like the bad album that was like the other one that like Ooh. I grew up on that's what that's why I, I mean I learned to start dancing through Michael Jackson like I was just imitating him like a lot of boys my age were doing mm-hmm. and uh man I can just tell you every I can I can literally tell you like let every little like drum beat every kick every like bass guitar lick on every song of bad because I listened to it that much the album was like I still have the album. That's nice. So I took it when I left for college. My parents were divorcing, and um, it was one of the things I stole. <laughs> I was like, I was like, my oh, the Michael Jackson album is coming with me. <laughs> this one is coming with me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. And then the next question is: This is one I just thought of today, though. What are you grateful for right now? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, we're coming to the end, so everything has to get real and impactful. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, this whole pandemic has taught me I'm grateful for my little family unit, right? Mm-hmm. Like my husband and my kid, because I've just been, 
I think I've just for the first time in my life over the past two years, like I'm just okay with who I am now. Like I'm just getting there. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just getting to a place where it's like I don't have to like try to be anything in any different crowd. I'm just me, man. And like me with all the flaws, with like the fact that I'm like fucking always battling weight gain and weight loss. And like I, I beat myself over over it. The fact that like, you know, some days I'm a shitty parent because I'm like, I don't know what to do. You know, like there's all those things that come with me. And I think I'm just grateful for like being me and i'm grateful for like having people in my life that allowed me to be me and i've learned that like the only friends that i can have in my life are people that allow me to be who i am a hundred percent and i don't have to like sugarcoat it and i think also the same thing with like my husband like our our relationship is not traditional like that's just it's not but the thing he allows me to be who i need to be to like be happy and to walk happily on this planet you know and for that man, I'm like that's the type of that's the only type of relationship I could ever be in. So that's what I'm grateful for. I don't want to get all mushy and shit. But. Nah, that's beautiful, bro. <laughs> that's fucking beautiful. And then my final thing is, I always ask. Well, before before we do that, where would you like people to reach you if you would like people to reach out to you if they're just interested? Because you know they might en- enjoy your conversation, or you know, you might have imp- oh, yeah. impacted them in some yeah. way. Yeah. Um, I mean, lately I've been I'm doing a lot of work on my Instagram page. Uh, we have an Instagram page called The Real Dads of New Orleans. And uh, we've actually done like some national like interviews and podcasts and just about like being a being gay dads, you know. So that's my Instagram page. And it's also the page I've been using a lot, like doing this kind of like time with like the protests and Black Lives Matter. So, yeah, Real Dads of New Orleans. That's us. Cool. Yeah. And I'll be linked in the description. And then the final question we always mm-hmm. ask is we would like you to give us some type of recommendation. It can be an activity. It can be a book. It can be a movie. Someone recommended that they go for a walk. (laughs) So anything, just any recommendation for us, since you know I love my recommendations. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so I am... Hold on, I'm I'm pulling it up so I can make sure I get the title right. Give me one second. Okay, so recently, I don't know if I've told you, I haven't even talked to you about this, but uh, I found out recently that... I was like at the beginning stage of celiac disease. Mm-hmm. So um, for years I've been having like, just like lots of issues with like my like stomach pain, a lot of bloating. And I go into the doctor a few times and like, they were just like, it's gas, it's gas. <laughs> and I was like, like, I'm in pain, man. And then like this past year, my body just started like feeling like it was giving out. Mm-hmm. And I was having like joint pain and I was having like, like these headaches all the time. And um, a few months ago, I went in to, I just went to the hospital, like in the middle of this COVID thing, because I was having like chest pain, but freaked out. And they did all these tests and they realized that like, you know, I was having like some serious food intolerances, like gluten and wheat and all those things were like tearing my body apart. Mm -hmm. And I had significant damage to my intestines because of that, which was at the like beginning stages of celiac disease. So the great thing is that, you know, I've totally been like immersing myself in just like changing my life in regards to like eating and like what I put in my body. Right. And I found uh, this guy, Darren Olin, who Darren Olin has a show with um, Zach Efron on Netflix right now. Anyway, it's about, they, they go and like, kind of like go to all these countries and they kind of like discover superfoods and like what people are doing to like stay healthy. And they talk about the environment, all of that. It's a pretty awesome show, but Darren Olin has this book called Super Life. And it's all about like, the power of just like plants and, and natural things. And um, it's he's like on the best sales list as of like a few months ago. 
And I've been like really shifting my lifestyle into like a more plant-based diet. So I think the podcast is not only like, I know it sounds like very granola and hippie, but like uh, he has a podcast, but the book is super powerful because it really goes into the description about like the stuff we are putting that we naturally kind of put in our bodies, even like the fruits and vegetables that we, we, we buy from the grocery store. It talks about like, you know, like the nutritional value of like, once something's picked like every day, it's losing nutrition, you know, and, and then it's put into like a cooler and then it loses most of its nutritional value. So promoting lots of like, you know, like farmer's markets and all those things that like, I'm really shifting my, my thinking to. So I would say this is, it's been like life changing for me. I'm on this journey and still kind of figuring it out. So nice. I am always, yeah. I'm a big fan of, of that, of especially a food stuff. Cause that is definitely one of the big things, you know, health wise that people really in general need to figure out and especially for themselves because it's so unique, you know, yeah. uh, per person. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and we're black people. I mean, uh, you know, like you and I are black. So I think it's like, we have grown up naturally in our culture, putting like horrible things into our body, right. Without mm-hmm. the way our families cook. And I mean, the shit's good. The food's good, you know, but uh, it catches up. And, and, you know, like with me, it's like putting all this bad stuff in my body has like caused my body a lot of, you know, like it's taking a toll on my body up till now at 30. I'm in my thirties, dude. I'm still young, you know? Right. So I think more than ever, you know, I'm, I'm happy as I've, I've kind of looked and joined some groups on Instagram that are like focusing on plant-based diets. There's like more and more black people in these groups. And I'm like, yes, like, I think we're, you know, like the education's out there, the, the, the information's all over, you know, we can, we have it at our fingertips. So. Cool. Nice. Well, thank you for the recommendation. And, uh, Thank you for being on the podcast. Awesome. And thank you guys for listening. Uh, yeah, that's that's been the Razzcast. Mm-hmm.